Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. Welcome to the New Warehouse Podcast. Today's safety tip is brought to you by Kinetic, the wearable safety device that reduces workplace injuries by over 50%. Learn more at wearkinetic.com. Hey, it's Kevin Lawn with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. Today's episode is the latest in our partnership with Material Handling Wholesaler Magazine for their February issue. Check out the cover story featuring today's guests entitled Lithium Ion Threatens Lead Acid Batteries Dominance in Material Handling at mhwmag.com. And you can check out all of the issues at mhwmag.com. So we're going to talk about batteries in the material handling industry today and kind of the current state of that. So on today's podcast, I'm excited. Uh, I have the most guests that I've ever had on a podcast episode. We got uh, five guests today. So we have David Suarez. He is the VP of Business Development at OneCharge. Robin Schneider is Director of Marketing at Green Cubes Technology. Harold Van Ass, who's been on the podcast a couple times before. Uh, he's the Senior Director of Motive Power Marketing at Enersys. Chris French is president at PowerBat, and John Gelsomino is the president at Archon Equipment. So they're going to talk to us about the current state of batteries, what they think um, is going on, and, and kind of where lithium-ion stands as well. So we're going to go around the uh, virtual room here, and we're going to get not just one safety tip today. We're going to get five <coughs> safety tips from everybody and they're going to give a brief little intro on what their uh, company does so so i'll go to john first so john why don't you give us a little safety tip and and your sure thanks kevin so first thanks for having me i'm john gelsomino the name of my company is archon equipment we are a battery agent in cleveland ohio and we represent rico products sunlight batteries on lead acid and we sell uh, some flux power uh, blue line and sunlight lithium batteries on the lithium side. We're early adopters in lithium, and we've gotten pretty deep in it in a, in a serious way. But we could talk about that. So my safety tip is to always press the power button before you open up a lithium battery. All right. Very good. Very good. So let's go to Chris French from PowerBat, and let, let's hear that safety tip and a little bit about PowerBat. Okay. Thanks for having me. Again, my name is Christopher French, president of PowerMat USA, based in Minnesota. I'm kind of an outlier here in this group, quite frankly, because we don't deal in lithium batteries at all. Okay. So I will bring a different perspective. That's we good. keep an eye on that lithium market, you know, from a different angle, <coughs> quite frankly. Our product basically works to desulfate and recondition lead plates. It is a patented product that was designed originally for the military. Mm -hmm. And uh, the original inventor of it, his name is Pavel Belzenka, okay? It's a name people in the lead acid industry may recognize. He's from Europe. Uh, but anyways, we can work on starter, stationary, motive batteries. Our product is scientifically reviewed and is currently being reviewed again my safety tip would be to make sure the tools you're using are rubber-coated or heat-shrinked so as not to short-circuit and start your hair on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we don't want to get our hair on fire. That's a very, very good one, Chris. Thank you, and thank you for joining us. <laughs> yeah, so let's throw it over to David. Let's get that uh, safety tip. David is from One Charge. David Suarez, and thanks again for having me. I'm the Vice President of Business Development at OneCharge Lithium Systems. And, you know, we focus on that material handling with the OEM focus and then the aftermarket battery specialist channel and then through the dealer channel. So um, we have a wide depth and breadth in the market. Uh, safety tip for me is, you know, it's kind of general. It doesn't really matter the, the technology you're using, but definitely use PPE 
And if I can slant it just a little bit, sure. OSHA definitely has statistics out that battery injuries happen when it's either servicing or swapping. So consider lithium for sure. Okay, very good. And Harold, how about you? Sure. Thanks for having me on the show again. It's great to be back. So I'm Harold Vanette, Senior Director of Marketing for Enersys for Motive Power, for our Motive Power business. Enersys is the world's largest industrial power supplier. So we're in the Motive Power business. We're in the reserve business, stationary business, aerospace defense, medical suite batteries and charging systems and monitoring systems and all that sort of management systems across the globe for a lot of industries. My safety tip. So when you're charging a fork truck battery... Mm -hmm and you want to disconnect it, please turn the charger off first. Just don't pull that cable and do it without charging it. I know sometimes you have to stop a charge. Well, press the button, stop the charger, and then disconnect. Very good one. Very good one. Easily forgotten, too. So let's get it from Robin. What kind of safety tip do you got? And give us a little intro about uh, Green Cubes. Hi, I'm Robin Schneider. I'm the marketing director for the Motive Group at Green Cubes Technology. We have been manufacturing batteries for material handling equipment for uh, about 10 years, all lithium-ion. So we're one of the early entries into the material handling lithium-ion market. My safety tip, I'm going to build a bit on what David said. We think of battery injuries as being these sort of catastrophic events with explosions and fire and acid and those things and and really it's the more mundane injury mundane injuries that are more common like repetitive use injuries and back injuries from lifting and things like that so again moving from lead acid to lithium will really reduce the number of workplace injury claims that an organization has to deal with and that's something that's to be considered in the cost of ownership of the technology Okay, very interesting, and thanks for sharing the safety tip from everybody. It seems like uh, actually a lot of the safety tip is based around uh, some things that you may think are, are common sense, but easily. So very good reminders and definitely things that we want to put out there on the floor for employees who are, are dealing with this type of equipment and making sure that they are staying safe. Hey, y'all, I just want to take a quick break to let you know about an upcoming event focused on sustainability. It's called Shaping the Future of Sustainable Business at Sustainability Live and will be at Tobacco Dock in London on February 23rd and 24th, 2022, or you can attend virtually via online platform Brella. Industry pioneers from the world's leading businesses such as IBM, PwC, and SAP will join together to discuss their own commitments, learn about others, and create meaningful partnerships. Like no other conference, Sustainability Live is centered around actionable relationships. That means getting the right people in the same place, sparking conversation, and creating partnerships that literally change the world. Be a part of the change and get your free virtual tickets or in-person tickets at sustainability-live.com. That's sustainability-live.com. With e-commerce off the charts, many small and growing warehouses are asking, how can I get ahead when my warehouse is barely keeping up? The answer is future-ready warehouse tech from Zebra Technologies. Warehouses can simplify and upgrade all processes, from automated inventory management to hands-free picking with Zebra's tailored, scalable mobile solutions. They're simple and intuitive. There's never been a better time to upgrade for success with Zebra. How can your warehouse get ahead? The answer's in black and white. Get the answers at zebra.com slash the answer. That's zebra.com slash the answer. The New Warehouse Podcast, hosted by Kevin Lawton, is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. So... 
We're going to talk about batteries today, and we want to talk about you know the current state of batteries in the material handling industry. There's been a lot of things going on in our industry, obviously, throughout the pandemic, and a lot of shifts in, in technology in, in all different aspects and, and different areas of our industry. So, so we're going to focus on the batteries today and, and how things may be changing for that and, and kind of what the current state is. So I think since Chris you know, said he's in a little bit of a, a different realm than everybody, I think we're going to start with Chris and kind of get his opinion on what the current state of batteries is. So, so Chris, can you share your thoughts with us? Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty obvious what's happening out there in the market. Lithium has got a lot of momentum mm-hmm. um, because the batteries are good. They have some advantages that simply cannot be ignored. There are some disadvantages, however, that have to be overcome, and that's pretty typical when new technology comes to market. How fast that momentum continues, there are some factors, I think, beyond the lithium forklift battery market that will play a factor in that, you know, production, environmental, things of that nature that um, are kind of out of the control of that market specifically. Mm -hmm. So they're coming. They will play a role moving forward. There's no doubt how much of the market... They capture, that's what's in question, and I think the answers to that are yet to be really figured out. A lot of it will depend on, you know, like I said, some other economic issues, EVs. So, but they're here to stay, there's no doubt. Um, so, okay, all right, interesting. And, and so, I think I'm going to throw it to either uh, John or Harold. You guys can pick who wants to go because you guys are you know offering more than just lithium ion so you're offering kind of different types of batteries as well so i mean what are, what are you seeing in terms of the kind of the, the demand out there we'll be back after a quick break you hear a lot about supply chains these days because if the past couple years have taught us anything it's that an efficient well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy i'm will haywood and i host a podcast called all business no boundaries where we talk about supply chains how they work what happens when they don't and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So we're seeing strong demand for both lead and lithium. Both are very good solutions and they fit different customer applications. We're seeing a lot of interest and a lot of studies and a lot of analysis of mm-hmm. both technologies. We see prices, you know, both both lithium and lead are inflationary. There's prices and lead times being extended. So there are a lot of commonalities. But I'd say the current state of motive power is extremely strong. Mm-hmm. ITA for January, there was huge gains in electric truck. So large that I'm not sure that it's not a, a reporting issue, but nonetheless, electric is very, very strong and it started the year off strong. Okay. Yeah, I totally see that. You know, this boy, since the pandemic has sort of come in, we've got this pent up demand. Trucks are at an all time high. And, and, you know, state of the batteries for them, there's lots out there. You know, lead acid is still strong, but you see lithium and maintenance free technologies coming in. You know, when I when we look at it at Intersys and when I look at it when I analyze things, you know, you, you, we're going from a time of conventional lead acid technology driving the fork truck industry, three batteries per truck, uh, you know, and, and you would charge, shift, use, you know, and cool down. But but that. We started to see fast charge, opportunity charge coming in where you would not have to change that battery, where the, the lead acid battery could be fast charged on the truck. You're still doing maintenance, though. And now we see lithium, and, and for us, thin plate pure lead, we have both technologies there coming in again in that maintenance-free realm, and that's what people want. They want maintenance-free. They don't want to have to change. They don't want to have to water. They don't want to have to clean the battery. So I think that's just uh, that is the trend that's happening. I agree with Chris. I don't think it's going away. I think that's what people are going to get used to. It's the question of as we come 
into the technology curve or down the technology curve on these maintenance-free technologies, especially lithium, does it predominate? Okay, very interesting. And, and I think that's a, definitely a, a key point there is, is maintenance-free. I mean, I think people are, are certainly attracted to that, especially as, you know, we look at labor shortage and, and not having to worry about, you know, having people to, to maintain these batteries and, and take care of those things as well. And, you know, and warehouse automation is another factor, right? If you're, if you're automating what you're doing, you don't have people to do it. Again, it's about a people reduction right. because you can't get labor. So the technologies that, that tend to drive that and, and you know whether they're lithium whether they're lead that it's maintenance free that i think is the driver yes absolutely definitely i agree and uh, so uh, robin what are your thoughts well i think that harold's absolutely right that maintenance free 24 7 um operation and a focus on throughput is really really important for people in warehousing the other thing that I want to not ignore is the importance of regulatory changes, and we see the electrification of motor vehicles in general and a switch away from internal combustion engines, and that's actually driving the adoption of lead as well as lithium-ion. So there, I think some of the environmental regulations don't just push to lithium-ion, they also push to lead-acid, and that's really important. But we're just really in the early adoption stage of lithium. We're at about, I think the market would basically drive to a consensus of about between 10 and 20% adoption of lithium, depending on who you ask. And what I've understood from various industry surveys is the expectation that lithium will overtake the majority of lead acid applications over the next 10 years or so. Okay, interesting. And yeah, I think, it, you know, it sounds like there's certainly a, a push towards lithium ion from what you guys are saying. And, you know, obviously it is gaining traction and, and popularity for some of the reasons I think Harold kind of pointed out there as well. But let's hear from David as well. What do, what do you think, David? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple trends, right? So it's, it's going to be in, encompassing. So e-commerce, productivity, mm-hmm. those, those trends are here, right? The now economy is driving that uptime or that demand. I think capital budgets, right? So, you know, running lean in regards to, mm-hmm. you know, having truck inventory. I think those things. Fast charge, like the team said, right? Lithium can be charged very, very fast. Maintenance free, but I want to I wanna put an asterisk on that, right? So there's, there is maintenance and, and attention given to lithium. It is no watering involved. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some implications for, you know, interjecting risk into your operation if, if, when you are maintaining a battery. So, and then there's individual cost and, and operational cost that can be impacted by going to lithium. And then the emissions, right? The, the executive order in California mm-hmm. is going to drive that, that electric truck slant, right? So that's going to go up. Lithium, we see that in, in more and more in, in demand for those, you know, now 24-7. And, and there, there's even a, an argument for, you know, the two-shift realm, right? So where lithium had a, hey, you know, if you're running three shifts and those kind of things, as the cost of lithium goes down, as we see the market change and shift and and people Mm -hmm. are being educated and and I'm going to make a word here, re-educated, right? So Mm -hmm. what they know of lithium is changing. I think those are going to help accelerate that. So the current state of, of batteries for me in the industry is, you know, lead is there. It is a staple. It is what they know. And lithium is that tomorrow technology and we really are in the very infancy stage of lithium adoption there are some larger organizations shifting and and those are our lead steers right so Mm -hmm. when you see those in your industry whether it's paper whether it's uh, cold storage when you see those lead steers going in that direction some of those smaller entities and some of those other industries will follow so uh, i i expect it over the next 10 years by 2030 to go up considerably lithium adoption Okay, very interesting. So, so I mean, it sounds like people are, you know, are definitely recognizing it, as you said, kind of getting re-educated on lithium-ion and kind of gravitating towards that. And, uh, you know, I noticed in the, the article, which you all kind of contributed some, some quotes to as well for MHW Mag, you know, it talked a lot about the 
you know, some of the, the benefits of lithium ion. But uh, I'm curious, you know, as, as all, you know, new technologies and, and not necessarily new technologies, but technologies that are now kind of being more maybe favored and adopted at a more rapid rate, you know, there's always some, some challenges. So, so I'm curious, you know, what, what are some of the challenges with lithium ion adoption, whether it's, you know, market factors or the technology itself? So why don't we start with David on this one? Perfect. So some of the challenges we see is that capital budget, right? Having the mm-hmm. budget for a fleet. So switching from lead to lithium is typically uh, two times, right? And so there has to be a deep dive and there has to be a discussion with the customer and you cannot cut really cut corners on this. You have to understand their operation. You have to do a, you know, a power study or a site mm-hmm. survey and you have to understand it, right? So because when you're, you're taking that lithium in, there's such a large cap cost behind it, you need to start tracking that ROI. And then we go into telemetry, we go into reporting, all those things that come with lithium. So the challenge really is that upfront cost. I think it's a little bit of shock, you know, to to the procurement and to the operators Mm -hmm. on that. And and again, you have to educate at multiple levels within that. So yeah, I would think a cap cost. Okay, very interesting. And and I think I saw the, but the, I mean, but eventually, I mean, it seems like the total cost of ownership ends up being less is that correct yeah okay absolutely okay but that certainly that upfront is certainly a, a challenge so so john what, what do you think are, are some challenges with the lithium ion so once it's installed in the customer's fleet i would say mm-hmm. over discharging is probably one of the main things that we deal with it's not really a problem of the technology it's a problem mm-hmm. of the application and the customer's use of it Lithium has a lot of BMS safeguards and different things that are programmable, and sometimes we find ourselves just uh, tweaking. Again, not at the fault of lithium. It's Mm -hmm. just something that's different for the end user than lead. In the same time, there are many challenges that they have with lead that are not existent with lithium. So the, the coolest thing I would think is because the lithium doesn't, if the voltage is linear, mm-hmm. what's, what's the most enjoyable is that the operator says that the unit performs better with lithium and it doesn't actually perform better, okay. but it performs at the full, the, the full performance of the battery for the entire time of the charge. And so when you demo, it's a, but it, you hear the operator, it runs better on lithium. I'm like, well, it doesn't really. <laughs> But it feels like it because you've got that full voltage. But to David's point, the demo process, the sale process, it's, a, it's, it's enjoyable because it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. But you could fundamentally change an entire application and operation. And uh, there's only so many things you sell that could do that type of thing. Okay, interesting. And, and can you explain a little bit, you, you mentioned some of the challenges, I think you said excessive discharge, right? So, so talk to us a little bit about what is that for listeners that might not be familiar. Well, so every every brand is different, Mm -hmm. but lithium likes to run in that middle band. Mm -hmm. And so every brand has different ways they safeguard the bottom end. But sometimes if it's, you know, if it's, if they ignore the warnings, Mm -hmm. you know, the audible alarms, if they ignore the lift lockout, if that's integrated, when it gets to an over discharge state, some manufacturers want the, the service provider to take a look before it allows to charge. And then as David said, we could do that in many cases through the telematics. Mm. You make sure there's nothing that's that's a problem. And then you could remotely close the charge contactor and then it's charged without a service tech on site. So again, it's not the fault of lithium. It's just mm-hmm. one of the things that, especially on small little walkie jacks, they run them till they're dead. Yeah. And then, you know, there's just uh, some additional stuff that goes on. Gotcha. Okay. So, so more on the side of uh, user error is what you're saying. Yeah, it's more of a discipline of the user yeah. and training mm-hmm. and understanding is is really the situation. There. Got it. Okay. Okay. Understood. And uh, Chris, what do you, what do you think are, are some challenges with uh, lithium ion? Well, I, I think in a broader view, mm-hmm. uh, there are some environmental factors. There are obviously the price points up front, which has already been discussed here that that's an issue that people have to deal with but i think ultimately production of lithium is going to be where there are some issues 
if the EV market comes online the way people are predicting, there could be there could be a supply issue. At some point, the price of lithium batteries, that price curve is going to flatten out. Where it flattens out, I think, is going to be, that's the question. Mm. Um, they may be driving prices down now, but if we, we see a, a supply issue, that could change. So mm. to me, I think the biggest issue moving forward long term is, is production of lithium in general. And again, I go back to the EV market. A lot of these countries are committing to banning combustible engines, which to me seems crazy, quite frankly. But if they go down that road and even just one of those countries actually moves forward, say, by 2030, there is going to be a production issue of lithium. There's no question about that. And then again, recycling. There's another one. That's a pain point for lithium. That has to be addressed. You know, lithium, other technologies, the whole idea in general has always been resolve the pain points, right, for this technology. Lithium does that, but it also creates some pain points as well. So production, recycling, those upfront costs, to me, those are the big issues. Okay. All right. Interesting. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about the, the recycling after we get through this, this question. But Robin, what, what do you think are, are some challenges with uh, lithium-ion adoption? So I think what everybody is touching on a little bit is that the technology is, is fundamentally better, more suitable for these mode of applications, but there's still quite a bit of infrastructure challenge to having lithium-ion have widespread adoption because there is this whole ecosystem built around lead-acid batteries for everything from the power studies, as David mentioned earlier, to the recycling, as Christopher just mentioned. So we, we really have you know, pro- challenges from the installation, who's going to do the servicing, how does the distribution network work, how do we decommission batteries? All of that stuff is a challenge just because the, the industry is in relative infancy. Mm-hmm. And things like, for example, the information that is available from the batteries. So part of the advantage of lithium-ion isn't the chemistry itself. It's the electronics that are married to the chemistry, and they provide a lot of information, safety protection, but the established communication for the battery is in lead-acid batteries traditionally through the charger. So how do we get information off of the lithium-ion battery? Do we have to have some kind of remote interface for it? How does the operator see what the charge is on the battery while they're driving it around? All of that stuff is difficult in a sort of like retrofit situation. And there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. So some trucks will integrate with the battery, and they're designed to do that. Some of them you need a remote interface. Sometimes you have to communicate for the, through the charger. Sometimes you can communicate through the Wi-Fi network. And we haven't really settled on any way to do any of these things that's completely universal. So that's just a challenge that I'm sure eventually the industry will land on some kind of standard, but we're just not there yet. And that's across the board from, you know, installation all the way through decommissioning of the battery. Interesting. Okay. So kind of like the the overall life cycle and, and kind of getting it in place and then figuring out how does the, the end life look as well. So so very interesting. And, and Harold, Harold, last year, what are some of the challenges with lithium-ion adoption? I think everybody here has covered basically all of the main topics and, okay. and you know th- as i'm sitting and listening here the thing that strikes me is, is mm. you know we're, we're used to an almost 100 year old industry of right. industrial fork trucks and, and lead acid batteries and we're so early in the lithium world right and, mm-hmm. and and you can see it all of these challenges are brand new into the in, as you're early on in the technology curve they'll get solved they'll mm. absolutely get solved will they be solved to the same way that we have lead Probably not, but but they'll have their own solutions that will come, and we've just got to work our way through that. You know, there, 
Chris brought up recycling. That's a perfect example. That's so early on, and I know we want to talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit more. That's so early on. But every single one of these, from price, from global availability, to integrating into the vehicles, to charging infrastructures, to education, hey, operators, you use this a little differently. And yep. here's how we want you to do it. You know, with, with lead, we, we, we didn't want you to plug in quite all the time. With flooded traditional, with a thin plate pure lead product, you can plug in all the time. But same with lithium. Plug mm-hmm. in like your phone. Plug in all the time. That that solves some issues, but they're not wired that way yet. So the operators. So we've got work to do, but it's to be expected. We're early in. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and I think a good point um, about the kind of the way the, the operators ingrained into the to the old technology and now trying to get them to, to come over. So so one thing actually Chris touched on in there I think was the the supply and uh, the supply for, for lithium and you know will that you know be able to be somewhat sustainable it sounds like and you know i'm curious i'll just open this to whoever wants to answer but obviously you know what we're dealing with in in supply chain in general has been shortages of so many different things so i mean with lithium ion or even batteries in general i mean are, are we seeing any challenges in terms of shortages getting new batteries or, or getting batteries to customers i, I i'm going to jump in sure you know on the lithium side it, 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 for me, the supply chain is, is there. There's more and more lithium mines coming online. Yeah. When you look at the cell, at the, at the cell level that builds that pack, it is really 1%, right? Okay. So it goes on the anode, and it, it's such a small amount of lithium that is used per cell, right? So for me, I, I don't agree with Chris in regards to there's going to be a production or a, a supply issue in regard to the raw mineral, right? So... Mm. To me, you know, I don't see that. You know, I definitely would like to have a, a conversation offline, you know, dig down in that uh, yeah, with Chris. Yeah, I wasn't it, speaking specifically for lithium forklift batteries. Just the, the market in general, all lithium, all lithium batteries. If the EV market mm-hmm. really comes online, I mean, they're talking hundreds of, you know, thousands of cubic tons of lithium that would be needed. Mm. Yeah. And so that's what I'm speaking of, not specific to the forklift battery itself for lithium. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, across, whether it's in an a, a EV vehicle, whether it's in an industrial truck, those cells, that, that percentage of lithium used in those cells across those platforms uh, range to be, this, be the same. I don't, I don't see those challenges in regards to the supply chain, you know, for, for the lithium side of it. I really don't. Okay. Any other thoughts on, on that? No, I think where you've seen supply chain challenges across the industry are things right. like electronics, transportation. You know, you've had cost drivers drive everything up because costs and inflationary pressures are up. But I think, you know, where everyone has seen things is electronics, right? BMS is in our batteries, chargers, anything with electronics has had a delay or a challenge getting it. You pay more to get the components. So those will pass. I think everyone knows that. You know, we're, we're working through a pent-up demand how long is it is it before they pass there's all kinds of predictions so i've heard everything from hey it's going to take the rest of 2022 to get the supply chain up and running so but but i think across the board you see that i mean truck lead times are out very long they're seeing it i mean oh yeah automobile industry you've got cars sitting on lots waiting for chips so they can finish trucks and deliver them i mean it's it's not just material handling it's everything yeah yeah absolutely okay all right any other thoughts we see it in on the lead acid side, where we've seen it a lot is mm. with uh, golf cart batteries and scrubber batteries. Interesting. We get calls constantly because people simply cannot purchase new batteries, which works in our favor, of course, considering what we do in our technology. But we definitely see it there. Yamaha, club car, places like that. Mm. Um, they place orders, and it's six months. You know, and if you're in Minnesota, guess what? The golf season's over, so that's an issue. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Chris, we have some batteries. We can help you with that. Thank you. <laughs> 
So I guess a lot of people playing more golf during the pandemic, right? When they're supposed to be working at home Hanging virtually, time. right? Working from home. <laughs> yeah, working from home, right? And, and quotes on the golf course, right? So very interesting stuff there. I was curious about that as Chris kind of mentioned that in there. So so now I'm curious too, you know, we mentioned some of the benefits. Obviously, Harold, I think, pointed out a big one earlier, the, the maintenance-free. But what are some other kind of big factors that are kind of pushing companies from from switching from lead acid to to lithium ion and i kind of leave this one open as well if anybody wants to throw anything out there kevin before we move on from the supply chain topic can i just make i think an important point and maybe Mm -hmm. open it up to the group just to see if everybody is in agreement with me on this it's important for people in material handling to understand that there are different kinds of lithium-ion batteries, and the electric vehicle market has, for the most part, settled on a subset of lithium-ion using an, an MN, NMC cathode material in a cylindrical cell format, and that's basically the fundamental building block that an electric vehicle Um, like a Tesla is built on. The material handling industry for the most part has settled on lithium ion phosphate chemistry subset of lithium ion in a prismatic or a brick shaped cell format. And there is some advantage to that in that we're not really competing for the cells or the cathode material with the electric vehicle market. So we haven't seen as many supply chain issues as the electric vehicle market has. And also some of the mining problems that have come up around cobalt and some of the other metals in that nickel cobalt chemistry Mm -hmm. don't exist for the batteries that are being used in material handling because they're iron-based cathode and iron is a much more common and easily obtained ore than manganese, cobalt, and nickel. So I know that's a quite a geeked out topic there, but I think it's important to understand that when we hear these news reports about mm-hmm. lithium shortages, that they're not necessarily entirely applicable to the material handling industry, at least for the majority of suppliers. So that's a good point. But so from a distributor standpoint, because we don't manufacture... It is concerning. I'm a big fan of iron phosphate, but it is also concerning because when a manufacturer builds this battery mm. around this cell structure and gets UL approval and all of these investments, and then in the blink of an eye, if that cell is no longer available at some point down the road, you're back to the drawing boards. You know, there's a whole thing. So. The question is, and again, I I believe iron phosphate is absolutely the right chemistry for material handling, but my concern is, okay, there's a long warranty, there's there's product support, there's secondary life cycle. Mm. We'll even be able to get some of these cells. Uh, They probably will be uh, new designs and smaller formats and higher energy densities. So there's pros and cons. If you use the scale of the automotive and what's common in the automotive, there could also be some significant advantages. But again, the marketplace will work it all out. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Sean. And, you know, and I'll jump in. We're an NMC, we, we're an NMC company right now, so that's what we use. And, and again, it's a, because of higher energy density. Hmm. Also, we believe that's the way the auto market's going to go. And let's face it, to, to Chris's point, if they come on board, full board, that's going to drive production, and it's also going to drive economies of scale. The other thing we look at is the changing technology. So NMC today certainly is going to be different from NMC in the future, same with LFP. Hey, there's four, five, six other type of couplets out there, like electrochemical combinations of lithium and their various oxides and different metals that, that make this. So I've seen things that show that we move away from even the LFP, NMC, things into different pairings over time and gets us more energy density and away from different metals. The challenge is what is it's going to be and then building your system so that you can accommodate those changes. Because you're right, you change it, you got to go back through UL and your systems change. And to that point, from a a distributor view, Mm. I want profitable suppliers. And if it's constantly changing and constantly re-UL rating and there's this constant capital investment, 
I worry about the profitability of the supplier's products that I'm selling. And that's a real issue. But again, the market will sort that out. There will be consolidation. There will be all types of things. Uh, None of this is negative. It's the reality of the stage of where lithium's at. And because of that, I look at it as a great opportunity because all of this change and all of these things that we're talking about, for people that know stuff and are there in the right timing of it, there's a, a, a lot of money to be made and a lot of customers to be supported. Absolutely. I, I think bet and clean up on this. It's, you know, regardless <laughs> of the cell geometry, we're going to see Tesla on entry-level models use LFP and NMC across, right, if you want longer range. We're going to see that. And, John, we're really not going to get out of that, you know, the advancements in cells, right, energy density, all those things you spoke about. You really can't look at the market that way because from from a, a one charge world, right, through my filter, it, we're really chemistry agnostic, right? So if somebody comes out with a silicone or whatever it is, whatever the combination is, we're going to be able to fold that in, right, into our engineering, into our solution. So we're going to be able to curb some of that for you, right? So those distributors, those large distributors out there, we're going to be able to fold that in. Now, will there be challenges? Of course, there'll be challenges in regards to the charger, what have you, but those can be programmable, right? That BMS is so flexible, we'll be able to do that. So definitely economy of scale, seeing, you know, having that will drive the cost down, but there's always new technologies in regards to sell. But the geometry, to me, cell geometry, whether it's prismatic or, or cylindrical or pouch, whatever it is, right, the solution will be worked out at that engineering level, kind of what you mentioned, right? So for me, I think simply we're in a market where technology is king. And when that new cell comes out, the Intersys, the green cubes, the one charges will be able to really flex with that. So we'll be able to get it to the distributors, be able to do that in a timely fashion. And we have guys in assets, right, forward-looking, and, and we're always doing cell validation. So definitely. Dave, to your point, that's the key to survival. You know, and that's, I think, right. again, you, you work through these with industry consolidation like you would with any product in, yeah. in the industry over the last yeah. thousand years. And, and, and I think that's the position we have with Enersys. We, you know, again, I love chemistry agnostic. We say it all the time. Hey, we got <laughs> right. flavors of lead, flavors of lithium, yeah. <laughs> systems to back it up. We'll help you size it. Hey, you want to spend X amount? We got a product for that. You want to spend Z amount? Here's a product for that. And get into the discussion because we'll go back to we're early in the adoption and customers just, we need to help them think through it. I heard power studies. I heard, you know, great conversations about getting folks into the math of it. That's what we got to do because it's still an education process. Put the right chemistry in the right place and it'll change over time and we'll be there with you. Yeah, absolutely. John, we'll get you the product. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. And again, it's not negative. It's opportunity because absolutely in in the local market, every truck dealer does not with that right so my point is the opportunity lies that all of this figuring and all of this product support we want to be the experts expert and work with multiple brands of lithium to help bridge all these gaps uh, charging the lithium and reprogramming chargers that's the opportunity that i see because again it's 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 not going to be for everyone all these years, the truck dealer still doesn't want to be in the battery game, even though they're trying to be today. So the, the, the support of lithium is where we focus significantly because in every local market, and there, there needs to be someone, you can't put a guy in an airplane every time you need a fuse installed. Right. And, and it's, I think it's organizations like that, like yours, right, like, like you're hinting at, is simply... You know, it's our job as the manufacturer to really educate you, train the trainer, if you will, bring you up to speed because that network is integral to our growth, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at that through multi-channel in segmentation of the market, we're going to look at those territories. We're going to go, hey, you know what? My footprint's here. I mitigate that. Again, that strategic partnership, you're an early adopter of lithium.
Altium, your guys are more astute, right? So yep. you work across multiple brands, those things. You can really pick your dance partner in that regard. But I think in you selecting who you sell or what your team sells is really going to be based on the support you get from the manufacturer. So we have to support you, educate yep. you, give you the materials. And it's constant, right? Remedial training, quarterly training, and certifications, right? So I know we're not going to touch on that, but I, I could definitely talk about standardization across lithium and, and really just giving you guys the knowledge to really fix the system and know it as well. Before it was kind of protected, but we definitely have to support you guys. So, so very interesting discussion there. Thank you, thank you, Robin, for for making that point. Um, and definitely, it seems like there's a, a lot of other conversations to be had there as well. So we'll have to do uh, maybe a part two in, in the future or something like that. So, so let's jump into you know, kind of got brought up a little bit when we're talking about some of the challenges. And I think in the the cover story, I want to say maybe it was Harold that had a, a quote in there about the sustainability and recycling of, of lithium ion. So I, I'm curious to hear about this because obviously with new technologies. As, as they kind of come online, you know, there's always that probably initial that like, oh, this, this is effective, it's useful in this. And then, uh, you know, we kind of get to the, the later on in, in life and, and realize that like, oh, we made something great, but now how, how do we get rid of it and, uh, in a smart way that's good for the environment? So so I'm curious, you know, when it comes to lithium ion batteries, you know, how, how is kind of recycling and, and then the sustainability overall of this technology being handled within the the supply chain so david you want to you want to start on that yep. one yeah absolutely so for one charge we look at it in, in really three phases so our systems we sell a system into the field and it's operating for five years mm -hmm. okay comes it, it's on a lease three year two-year option comes back we're able to really track that that information through our mm -hmm. telemetry and and gaining the data we're able to look at that and go hey there's 40 percent of the life left so we may, right, and we see this today with systems that are five years old, the customers repurposing that themselves mm. where we were going to repurpose it in, in really that aftermarket channel for a single shift, maybe it's seasonal work, those type of things. So we take that, that system that we sell for chain of custody, right? So from cradle to grave, we look at it and we go, hey, you know what, we can either... We can take it off the customer's hands, and, and we know there's life in it. We communicate that to the customer. Hey, you got 40%. If you've got a, a customer, an application, whether you're an end user, we have an application that you should use this for, then we'll, we'll really share that with them. Because my conversations are less around you know downtime and more around asset management when we're talking lithium because mm. we're able to track the usage of the batteries and where to use them and what's being overutilized or underutilized or those type of things, right? And through seasonality and usage, we're able to help. And that comes from the information we gather from the system. So we'll either repurpose the system right or we'll put it in a second life application that is a stationary right so we'll take it out of that motive mm. realm and we'll put it in a stationary so that way again it could perform for another four years so the life of that battery is running nine years right so in the stationary with 40 percent in in it's only being cycled when there's an event right there there's life in that battery and then truly at end of life so that third point is we have, uh, and you guys see it, I, I think there's been several announcements. There's one in, in Indiana, and there's another. So we're starting to do recycling here in the States. Everybody, I would think, as a, you know, as far as that chain of custody, has a strategic agreement with their cell provider, and I know we do, to send it back, right, for recycling. Mm. Now, we, we see those coming stateside. We're seeing the announcements more and more. I think there was one already this year that a facility is recycling lithium. So we're going to see that, the demand for it. And, and like you said, economy of scale, those larger groups, those EV organizations, right? Mm. They're driving some of that and funding some of that really on the on the recycling side. So for me, it's it's it, we're gonna reclaim it, right? We're gonna reuse it and put it in a lower application. Mm. We're going to really put it in a second life application. So our customers will send it to us if they if they have no need for it. We'll go ahead and put it in another application in another vertical, and or if the battery is compromised or it's really at true end of life, we'll recycle it with our um, manufacturer. 
Okay, very interesting. So, so it seems like kind of the the goal is to repurpose first before trying to figure out what to to do in terms Absolutely. of recycling. Okay, and, and Robin, what are, what are your thoughts on that on the recycling and sustainability and the supply chain with lithium ion? You know, our approach is really very similar to what David outlined. So, okay. it's important to recognize that the definition of end of life for the first use of a lithium ion battery is 80% of its original rated capacity. And that number is relatively arbitrary. There is some drop off, you know, an an increased drop off in capacity after that 80%, but there's still a lot of life left in the battery. So our first approach would be to reuse it for either another application or to refurbish it for a second life. And then if that is not possible anymore, then we would take it back from the material handling user and recycle it with a recycling partner. Okay. All right. Interesting. And Chris, what are your thoughts on this? Not being directed in lithium ion. My thought really is a question more than anything, which is the process is not settled. It will become settled through technology somehow, someday. My question is, when does it become profitable to recycle lithium batteries? Mm. Because I, I don't know if you're going to find a lot of takers, quite frankly, to recycle anything if they can't make money doing it. At the end of the day, whoever that recycling company is, They've got to be able to turn a profit. And I could I take that know, if you want, Kevin. You know, sure. they can do a lot of stuff with grant money and things of this nature, but at some point, these companies have to be up and running and profitable and have a process in place. I want to know how long is it going to take for that to happen. All right. So what do you think, John? What are your okay. thoughts there? So, so we have other businesses, and we have a long history in remanufactured products. And one thing that I know from that is that the OEM typically is focused on innovation and production and and normally doesn't want to be involved in the secondary life cycle. Mm. And so to Robin's point, I think there's an opportunity, just like we sell reconditioned lead batteries and other things, I think that there's an opportunity for someone like myself to be reconditioning these batteries, getting them back. There is no scrap value. The banks still don't understand the residual value. I think the banks are undervaluing the batteries when they come off of lease. The wholesalers aren't sure what to do with them. The values that they're listing, because there aren't that many folks that want to get involved in that secondary life cycle, the wholesalers are seeing a disconnect. The customers aren't returning their chargers because they want to keep using them, and so there's a, there's a whole other thing about you know, reconditioned chargers that are reprogrammed for lithium. So I think there will be an entire, I don't think the OEM will be the master of the remanufacturing or the reconditioning. I think there'll be folks like myself that understand the technology. You get a batch of batteries in, you match the cells, you reprogram a BMS and you sell it as a reconditioned lithium product. Um, again, to do that effectively, you need to work with the OEM so you have the information and you have that. That's why we're trying to work at like an authorized service provider type model to do mm. some factory warranty. If you look at the population of lithium in the United States, Ohio happens to be smack in the center of the majority of that eastern population. This is point, there is no scrap value. There's okay. a scrap cost. And so everyone's going to have to, the end user will have to pay someone Mm. at some point, either in residual or in cash money, they're going to have to pay to dispose of it. Right now it's buried into the cost of all that. But as all Mm. this profitability washes out, it's going to be somewhere. But the better the marketplace and the guys like I can remanufacture, recondition and make money doing that, I think private industry is who's going to handle this secondary life cycle. And if the OEM of the lithium can can solve and have a partner or focus mm-hmm. on innovation and that, they would much rather not be in the reconditioned business because the volumes of things that are coming off are just going to be way more than anyone even cares to be involved in. So that would 
That, that's how I see it. Again, great opportunities. A lot easier said than done. But that's 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 my two cents. Yeah, I mean, the, the secondary market to me is, well, it could be gigantic, huge, yeah. and profitable. But at some point, that piece of equipment is going to go end of life. That's where my question comes into play. Who takes it? How do they make money recycling? Well, you know, it could very, be very similar to what you do with nickel cadmium batteries today. There's no scrap value for that. Mm-hmm. Nickel's nice, but mm. it costs a customer or somebody Cost money. Yeah. yeah, right. We all have to, to take it back. So it's that could very well be the case where it's not if you don't you don't like a lead battery you take it back it's 99 percent here's some cash um sorry that doesn't happen maybe with with lithium it may be the fact that you build that into the economics of it right because the benefits are out there for it so Mm -hmm. that may be what we're looking at there'll be you know again certain chemistries have, have more or less financial value for them but i think it costs more to get at them so it's just the way it is. And I have no doubt that we'll see more and more ability to recycle these things to a better degree. It's still in its infancy, but yeah, yeah I think at least for the next few years, it's a cost. And I think one thing that's interesting to think about when we do this, you know, we're all in the United States, but if you look at the adoption of lithium, the US or North America is really quite a bit behind Europe and Asia mm. in terms of the adoption. And so, the supply chain issues, some of the things that we're talking about have been addressed more in those areas. And if you look at Europe in particular, they've really gone towards more of leasing models at the OEM level for forklifts. And, you know, the, the lifetime of lithium is so long, you know, 10 plus years that they're really getting to the point now where they're going to have to address these ends of life issues. So I think we'll all be looking to Europe and Asia and how they deal with this problem because it's right, they're right there having to deal with it where we're still a few years away from, from really having to end of life most of the batteries that started out in the field eight years ago. Well, to your point, Robin, we, we are a global company and, you know, you've got more regulation in Europe than in some countries in Asia where there is an absolute requirement you got to take them back. So, yeah, the adoptions are higher. They're, they're going to hit it. We're going to hit it over there sooner than here. But I think the same thing's going to happen. The, the, the econ- it'll get wrapped into the economics one way or the other, but we'll be taking them back. All right. Well, very interesting points all around. And I think the conversation was really great and we, we got some great information from all of you and definitely very very interesting battery talk we'll we'll call it here today on on the podcast Uh, it was great to have everybody on so let's go around the room really quick as we wrap up here and uh you know quick quick yes or no do you guys think uh, 10 years from now that we'll all be on lithium ion or will we still have some lead acid batteries in our field and also, please let us know how we can find out more information about your company. So, so Harold, you want to start with that one? Ten years? Sure. I don't think no? we'll be. I don't. Uh, I no, we won't be all lithium. <laughs> certainly, I think you'll have late adopters that are going to mm-hmm. still keep their flooded product. But I think we'll see thin plate pure lead, which is a lead acid product, lithium like maintenance free. And then there's going to be a boatload of lithium out there as well. It's going to go maintenance free, no question. Okay. But in ten years, there'll still be folks with their flooded fork truck batteries. All right. You can get information from us by going to Enersys.com. All right. Thank you, Harold, for joining us today. And uh, Robin, how about Thanks you? Thanks for having me. I, I totally agree with Harold. As much as I'm bullish on lithium, I think that the, there will still be some lead acid around. It, lead acid has been around for more than 300 years, and I mm-hmm. don't think that it's going to be gone anytime soon. Um, so... I agree. And from Green Cubes, you can go to greencubestech.com for more information. All right. Thank you, Robin. And David, how about you? Yeah, there there will be, uh, you know, lead acid batteries in 10 years. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the part of the market they address will be tailored and, and be defined more so than it is today. Okay. Thanks for having me. For more information, onecharge.biz. And uh, we have pa- white papers, other educational things, studies along with collateral there. So please visit. All right. Thank you, David, for joining us. And Chris, how about you and uh, PowerBat? 
definitely lead acid will still be around. Uh, right. There's new technology being studied on that. Harold does some neat stuff, you know, the TBPL batteries. Mm. There can be combined technologies. If you looked at the chemistry of what they're doing with what we're doing, if you're talking about cycles, all of a sudden you've got something there for lead acid. So it'll be around, no doubt. For more information on our technology, you can just go to powerbatusa.com. There are some scientific reviews there as well and another one coming soon. Okay, well, thank, thank you, you Chris. And uh, John, how about you? What do you think? There will absolutely be lead-acid batteries. There will mm-hmm. also be internal combustion-powered vehicles. The lead time for internal combustion is over a year, so there's strong demand for that. Mm. So it's exciting time. All of these are good solutions. And to get more information about Archon Equipment, go to archonequipment.com, A-R-C-O-N. And thanks for having me. All right. So thank you for everybody uh, for coming on the podcast today. And we'll definitely post all those links so people can get in touch with you at thenewwarehouse.com. And if listeners are interested in reading the cover story, which also features uh, some quotes and information from our guests today, they can go to mhwmag.com to read all about that and check out other issues as well. So thank you to everybody again for being on the show today. been listening to the new warehouse podcast with kevin lawton subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com thank you for listening to this episode if you want more content from the new warehouse check out our new video series called all hands on linkedin just search for the new warehouse on linkedin and follow along.